After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. <laughs> he is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Fula. After further review, as this is one of Frank. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL, and we got David the Man of God Harris here on the phone lines, and how the Lions just played so poorly. Frank Master was actually at the game, making Sam Darnold, the rookie on his first start, look so good. Frank, uh, what were your thoughts on your Detroit Kittens? Well, uh, I think that Stafford just threw another interception no, for the record. Man. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. He did. But, I mean, basically, you guys did. You guys they, did. Okay. They, 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 let's just say they, they pooped about 50 hammers no, they on didn't. Monday night. They did this. Uh, <laughs> I thought that's an, that would be an understatement. Uh, okay. So you were actually at the game. You had t- how did you, I didn't know you were at the game. You didn't post anything about it. you didn't say anything about it on the show that you were going to the game actually. Well, it was kind of, well it was kind of a kind of a last kind of a I think it was the last minute thing. It was after I had gotten done talking to you. Uh my uh my aunt Marion had got apparently uh, she did some interior design for the new uh PR head head for the Lions and uh she ended up getting four free tickets, so she called. She ended up calling me and asking if I wanted to go, and I said, "Yeah." And, and I ended up calling uh, Kent Goldsmith up after he wanted to go, and he said, "Yeah." So Kent and I went up with Aunt Marion and uh, her boyfriend John, and we all had a good time. Even though the, the Lions absolutely decided to poop their pants at the prom. So where where were you guys actually sitting at? Uh, we were in section one fifteen. Also, oh, you're in the lower bowl. Yeah. Hmm. And what was mostly the atmosphere uh, during the game, though? I would say it was pretty, it was it was actually pretty loud in there at first. I mean, the I mean, I know the first half they kind of struggled, and then they they put together a nice uh, touchdown drive at the second in the second half, tie the game, and then after that, that's when everything just went to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, yeah, dude. And, and that's when everybody everybody started booing and. There's some guy sitting near me who threw something on the field. I don't know if he got ejected or arrested or if he just stormed out on his own. Did you tell what on him? Was... You can text. You no, can text the security if someone throws something on the field. I didn't. I mean, I I saw something go flying down to the field. I didn't have to get a good look at who it was. I figured, you know what, security will take care of it. And because for one, if you go to any pro sporting event, don't go throwing. Don't go throwing stuff onto the playing surface. 
Unless, unless, of course, you're at an NHL game and somebody scores three goals, then you can throw your hat onto the ice. That is acceptable, but or an octopus. don't go th- or or a catfish if you're in Nashville. So, but, uh, what, what was your? I guess since you were there live, Frank, uh, what was your impressions of the Lions and Matt Patricia and a pencil that he uses to write on a laminated card? Well. I I mean, look, I had been hearing reports beforehand that Patricia was really running players into the ground during preseason and during training camp and all of this, that, and the other. And I think it kind of helped me realize something, and you guys may have said this before, that Bill Belichick's disciples without him and Brady are nothing. Because he try, these guys try and bring the Patriot way, the other places that don't have a winning culture. And that's why they fail. And I think we saw that. We definitely saw that on Monday night in Detroit. I mean, I'd really like to get, get David's thoughts on this too, because I mean, look, you, you look at any, any form, any former Belichick assistant who has gone elsewhere and they have not done well. And wrote by I think really the best of those is probably Bill O'Brien, and of course he's got some form of a unicorn with Deshaun Watson in Houston. But before that, he was looking pretty rough. But you wanted Caldwell gone though, so I mean, you got what well, you Caldwell, wanted. Caldwell was not a good coach. Well, what about Matt Patricia? I mean, he, I mean, he looked pretty bad on the first game. I mean, at least Caldwell was competitive with his teams. And you were kind of but, praising uh, Patricia. You wanted him to come there because he was coming from New England, and then he had the sexual assault had, thing. And he was one of the. I mean, to me, he was one of the best minds in football. I figured, you know, Bob Quinn comes from New England. I kind of figured that would be the most logical choice. Well, he didn't have a oh, good mind on Monday night. Well. Yeah, I don't think anybody did, at least on the line sideline. But but then when he but of course, like I said, you heard reports that he was really pushing guys hard. I mean, it was basically basically that's what Belichick does in New England, and the only reason he could do it is because he's got number twelve, the goat, Pope playing for him, um, and they have a winning culture. You know, I mean, look. If you if you have a winning culture, you can you can you can you can push your team really hard well, to practice a, and on game day. But think about it; it wasn't always like that, though, for Bill Belichick. I mean, he had some losing seasons in Cleveland. His first season in New England was bad, and then he got Brady and got some little bit of luck, yeah. and they started winning some championships. Yeah, because I mean, without I mean, look, people want to want to attribute New England success to want to either Belichick or Brady. No. You have to attribute to both of them being together. Not Matt Patricia, because I think I th- well, because you got to remember that, that Brady and Belichick were in New England before Patricia was there. Right, right. But he is there at least fourteen years. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, he kind of came on and he learned and he learned the system. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you have once you have winning culture that. I think at that point, and only that point, can you really start pushing these got pushing NFL players really hard in practice. Anyone because of that, 
I mean, that's why, I mean, you look at, even at the college level, you look at Alabama. What coaching tree does Nick Saban come from? Well, um, I guess you could say the Belichick. He, com- he comes from the Belichick coaching tree. Well, I mean, yes and no. Yeah, but he, when he was in the league, he wasn't greatest thing since sliced bread either, which All is right. why he went back to college. College, right. That's what I said, too. He, uh, he, I mean, he was in Cleveland as an assistant, but, you know, I guess – can you really say Saban's really from the Belichick coaching tree? Because he met him kind of little. He had already coached in college at UT and then to Cleveland and uh, I believe in the Michigan State. Can you can you really count that, though? I mean, yeah, he was on the staff, but he's not like – it wasn't like he started out as a, a, a coaching assistant or, you know, a, a – coordinator or you know just someone that was you know a, a volunteer assistant with Belichick then he moved up I mean he kind of already had his firm roots already as a coach so I don't know if I would put Saban really in that coaching tree which is really technically everyone wants to talk about Belichick it's really the Bill Parcells coaching tree if you want to get really technical about it yeah but I mean it, it kind of, I mean I, I'd like to I mean this is something I want to ask David I think I mean, David, would you agree that anybody who parts from Belichick and Brady, who when had success there, do they have no little chance of sustaining that or even achieving that? No, I think kind of what we talk about, kind of coordinators leaving from coaching tree, it's not as though Patricia was this great coordinator in New England. Yes, he had pieces around him, but if you look at just, Statistically, for New England defensively, I think their highest team defense ranking was 12. And so, really, Matt Patricia's credit was given to the offense. And yes, granted, you know, every great team, every great coach is usually associated or connected to a great quarterback. But for me, I think, and I don't, I don't know, maybe this says something about just kind of the state of the Detroit fan, but it's like after one game, everyone's ready to blow the thing up. Granted, it was a bad game, and granted, the defense, which was Matt Patricia's calling card, now got torched by a rookie. But I also think that offensively was really more damning because you have the Jets out here calling, you know, according to reports, calling out what the Lions are going to do on the offensive side, and that's the Jets. This is, you know, eight to ten years of beat been mocking them on the show since the bus bubble. And so if if a mid-table defense that's on the up can be able to, you know, key in on Matt Stafford, what about the likes of Minnesota? What about the likes of Green Bay? Hell, what about the likes of Chicago? Like, this is why Detroit's in this hamster wheel. And kind of just kind of – because. Like you were saying, like about the winning culture a lot, so much like, like if I'm a professional player and I'm complaining that I'm getting pushed too hard, like what does that say about my work ethic? That a guy can come in and push you harder so that you can be better because you really haven't gotten over the hump, even with Jim Powell having three winning seasons in four years, you still need to push to be better, which is what Mac Patricia was coming in bringing the quote unquote Patriot way too. So if I'm a Detroit Lions fan and I'm saying I'm hearing my players blind that my coach is pushing me too hard, I'm like, dude, 
that obviously means one either you're not you know you're not ready to adjust to the winning culture that he's bringing or two you're just being lazy before and you were happy with kind of doing you know just the running through the motions 50 percent in practice knowing that you're just going to do 50 percent in the game which is why you got 50 percent performance in terms of your record postseason so well, think- David, you're you're absolutely right, David, and, and, I, and I'm with, and I'm with you on that. I mean, you want you want to be part of a winning culture. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes to be better. And of course, people are going to say, "Oh, well, they're humans; they're not machines." Well, come on, you're pl- you're playing for a professional sports team. The goal is to win. You want to win. You got to give it your all, or expect nothing at all. Am I right, or am I right? I mean, if if the Cleveland Browns, and I'll get to this when I go on my rant later, if the Cleveland Browns can almost beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are a perennial kind of pencil right in to at least make it to the AFC playoffs, if not, you know, a day with New England, you can't tell me that Detroit with a far better quarterback by, like, any stretch of the imagination – reliable weapons regardless of, you know, running away Eric Ebron, who, hey, he's actually a good tight end. We saw him this past year. Like, you have – we can all agree that Cleveland's roster top to bottom and Detroit's roster top to bottom, you would have Detroit. And so, like, what does what is going to take in that locker room? And is it is it on leadership of the players? And so, again, we turn to the guy that when he signed the contract, I said – why is he getting this money? So, wait, sorry. He's just doing another discussion. Like, <laughs> like, like, can we just space it and wanted- say that Matt Patricia, I don't know. I think he's going to be probably a 500 coach. It'll be one of those Hugh Jackson situations where, you know, you want to keep him around, you want to give him a chance. I don't think they'll go 0-16, but I'm still scratching my head why the Browns still even have Hugh Jackson as coach, considering that, he only went 500 with the Raiders, and he's only won one game in two years, and now a tie. He's got a one win and a tie, and I kind of think Matt Patricia I, might be that going down that route. Well, kind of just kind of jump to the whole Hugh Jackson for a moment. I think that he's probably there, probably due to some form of loyalty, and I've said this time and time again on this show: loyalty. Does not, nor should it, be in professional sports. It's a business. And if you can't perform up to standards, there's the door. Don't let it hit you on the ass on the way out. There's somebody we're going to find who's going to be better. So how many games well, are you going to get, Patricia? Well, and look, let me let me let me say this. I'm not gonna come in with some steaming hot take that Patricia should lose his job after one game. But this is something that I'm going to say more as a cautionary tale. If the Lions struggle and finish below five hundred this year and next year, I would think that possibly Bob Quinn is more likely to, is going to be his head is going to be on the block first and foremost because Patricia was his guy 
then again, I also believe that the the ownership of the Ford the Ford family is some of the worst owners in sports, <laughs> and I think that uh, maybe they're the McCowski McCowski's maybe uh, with the Bears could be matching them. But you're kind of right; they they're not up with the times, so to speak, to run an organization. But like I said, I, I there's there's some concerning things I see with Matt Patricia. I can understand just getting beat in your first time out and being competitive. But I mean, it just it was just there was no second half adjustments. Not to mention, remember in the Super Bowl, the Patriots were favored and the Patriots pretty much got ran up all on down the field by the Eagles. They, it was literally fly Eagles fly. Yeah, I mean, now understandable Malcolm Butler didn't play, and they still don't know the story to that, but. It just looked like Matt Patricia was out his league. Like it was almost like dazed and confused. Yeah, and heck, they probably would have lost another Super Bowl too had had the Atlanta Falcons decided not to pucker. Yeah, that that is true. I mean, and they could have lost another Super Bowl if Malcolm Butler didn't get that uh, interception. If Pete Carroll would have just ran the ball in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is Buster Kitty and Dr. Vito starving children in Africa. Right. Well, you got to pick Africa. Maybe just starving children in Dundee. Uh, (laughs) I I really think, though, this is kind of concerning. I'm going to keep an eye on it. But to me, I just don't think Patricia's the guy. I don't like to jump to have hot takes. But sometimes you know who's the guy and who's not the guy. We know that Sam Darnold's the guy for the Jets. But I'm starting to think that, you know, Pat Patricia, a little in over his head as a head coach. And, you know, maybe this might be a starting board for him in Detroit, but if if you're a Detroit fan and you're looking for wins and possibly to be competitive, you're probably not going to have it for the next two or three years. Probably so. And I know you happen to mention something about 0-16, and I know that thought's crossed my mind as well. Some people and some people jumped on me saying, "Oh, Frank's predicted a lie to go out at 16." I've said that after Monday night, it looks like a strong possibility. That doesn't mean that it will happen. I'm just saying that it shouldn't come as a surprise if it does, especially if you play like that for the rest of the season. And you look at the schedule. I mean, who outside of the Buffalo Bills, who look like a complete disaster, mm-hmm. are you going to beat? I mean, honestly, I don't think there's really anybody in the division they can beat. The Vikings are still kings of that division. The Packers, as long as they, as long as Aaron Rodgers doesn't die on the field, you're not beating them. And Derek, even I'll admit, your your Bears were looking pretty impressive the first half until. Until Matt Nagy decided to pucker and kiss the game goodbye. Um, yeah, there was a multitude of things. It, you know, Aaron Rodgers did really well, which I kind of was. I thought to myself, this could be set up as a narrative for Rodgers to look good coming off a injured knee, so to speak, in the first half. Um, I, I, that's another game. I guess I would say I figured out. I don't think Trubisky's the guy for the. For the Bears, you see greatness in Rodgers, and then you just see Trubisky, who I think will be a middle-of-the-road, above-average quarterback. But, I mean, you traded yeah. up, you know, a spot to get him at number two, and to see him going against Rodgers, you're seeing greatness in a Hall of Fame quarterback, a guy that you can rely on for 15 years. And 
Trubisky, there's like I said, it's it's too much system ball. You know, the Packers put the ball when you want to be the great one. The Packers put the ball in your hands and you make things happen. It can't be this. Let's get conservative so he doesn't make a mistake. It's like uh, if if he's that type of quarterback, then that's not a franchise guy. You got to have a guy out there that can. And I'm not saying sling it all over the place. You have to have a guy that can make plays, and it seemed like once you know Green Bay adjusted, um, they started, especially on offense and defense, they started picking up the pace, and you know people started getting tired. Not to mention Khalil Mack was on a snap count, and then not to mention with Trubisky, it seemed like they they opened up the playbook the first two, three and a half quarters, and then when it got to fourth quarter crunch time, you know it was, it just got conservative, which was kind of a head scratcher. But is it because of Nagy's inexperience? Or is it the fact they don't really trust Trubisky too much? I think time will tell. But I, but after watching that first game, I think Trubisky, like I said, will just be above-average quarterback. But I don't ever think he'll be in the, the, the ranks of a Brady or an Aaron Rodgers. And that's sad because, you know, the Bears did give up some a little bit of a lot to get Trubisky. And you're probably going to just get, like I said, someone that could probably get you a, a north, you know, maybe a divisional win here and there, but I don't think they'll be consistently atop of the division like the Packers are year in and year out with Rod- when Rodgers is healthy and playing. And you also have to get past the Vikings, too. Right, right, right. But Ooh, usually, man. like I said, usually the Packers are always in contention with Rodgers when he's healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, and, uh, but I, I, I will say, I, I think you're, that Chicago's defense is definitely – showing shades of the monsters of the midway. I mean, obviously, Khalil Mack, once he's on an unlimited snap count, he'll do what he does best. Roquan, I mean, look, I really liked what I saw out of Roquan Smith, too. Hmm. Unless you've got Leonard Floyd in there and Kyle Fuller in your secondary. I mean, you've got, you got, some, you got some really nice pieces on your defense. And, and so I think it's gonna, things are going to go up there from there. Yeah, hopefully, but I know for the Lions, though, they need to make some changes and make them quick. Yeah, and plus they've also got some pending free agents, too, and I would highly, I'm not expecting to see any of the their big-name free agents like Glover Quinn, Golden Tate. They're probably not going to be back next season. Yeah, because, again, it worked too hard. What about Stafford? Uh, hard for Hard for me to say at this point. And I really want to be, and I really want to be careful about how I say it. But I'm not so sure. I don't think anything is going to happen to him yet, and I'm not so sure anything will happen because of the mega contract that he's been signed to. Well, I think some people like uh, Stafford. Some people say Stafford would probably have a better career if he wasn't in Detroit. Well, yeah, I would not disagree with that either. Well if, it, but if he, well, if he was in Cleveland, he, his career would probably be the same or worse. David, what do you think? I mean, train to Chicago. He can lead him to the Super Bowl like Jay Cutler did. Yeah, yeah that's true. I, I would have Stafford Cutler right didn't now. take the Bears to the Super Bowl. Rex Grossman did. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, Jay Cutler only got to the NFC Championship game, and then he got injured and had to sit out against the Packers. Well, I mean, he yeah. would have played, but, you know, that exercise bike was a lot more comfortable. No. Okay. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Anything else, uh, Frank? 
Um, no, I think that'll pretty much do it. I've got a, I've got about 12 more minutes before I've got to start getting ready for big game for Dundee football. Oh, well, you're still doing stuff for Friday Night Victors, right? Yes, uh, yeah, that too. I've been post, I've been uh, in charge of doing the uh, Monroe Monroe Sports Varsity Athletic Players of the Week. I've got I put six of them up last week. I'll just rattle off a couple of them. Carter Scott of Dundee, who scored 27 of Dundee's 33 points in a 33-6 thrashing of Hudson. Last week, he had three touchdown catches and four catches for 133 yards. He also kicked two field goals and three extra points. Huh. And then also Luke Goins, quarterback from airport. He threw for 194 yards and two touchdowns and ran for 34 yards and two scores in a 47 nothing route of New Boston here on. And then I also want to mention Sam Cugino of St. Mary's Catholic Central. They had they had lost one of their starting running backs, Nick Marino, to a broken collarbone, and they were playing the number two team in Division Three. He and Riverview at Riverview, nonetheless. So, what what they did is they moved Cugino from tight end to running back, and he answered the bell there with a couple of touchdown runs. And he also rang up 11 tackles on defense as they beat Riverview, who was the defending here on league champs, 20 to 6. Ooh. And that was a nice response. And that was a nice response by SMCC after they had lost a heartbreaker to Milan in week two. So, what's the big matchups this week, Frank? Uh, well, the one I will be at will be Dundee at. The school I graduated from the 2007. No, Ida. The the Ida, was it the Cheaters? Or it's the Blue The Blue Streets. Streets. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, I think you're going to be torn here, Frank. Who are you going to, you, you, you know, you got Dundee and you got Ida, your home school and the school you're working for now, Dundee. What do you, what do, you do here? Stay loyal to the school I'm on. I'm technically on staff at. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, you can, you can. I mean, you have an Ida Blue Streak um, baseball hat somewhere. I know you could probably pull it out, and you know, well, well, probably you could Not do. Me. Frank is whoever wins. That's the hat you put on. Uh, probably won't be the case. I have, I've got way too many other hats to wear. Oh, that's why you got the B for Blissfield. Well. <clears throat> I won't. I won't be. I won't be wearing that because uh, we played. We got to go to Blissfield next week, and that's going to be a tough one. Blissfield's really gotten rolling. They they ended up thrashing Onstead fifty one to eight last week. So that's gonna that's gonna be a tough one too. And I mean, everyone thought oh Blissfield's not that good when they lost forty eight to six to Whiteford, but they've reeled off. They put up a 42-29 win over Clinton and a 51-8 win over Anson, and I think that just shows that Whiteford is just on another planet. Oh, well, well, we'll be uh, interested to hear your recaps next week. Uh, Frank, like I said, enjoy your weekend. Um, you know, you're not refer- you're refereeing Saturdays, aren't you, too? A little bit of youth. Uh, the, this, this, this Saturday I'm not. I, I've got the weekend off, but I will say that I uh, was working at a youth game down at Bowling Green High School, and uh, and uh, the son, the son of the of the of BG, 
the the uh, school down south head coach Mike actually Jinx. played on this team. Mm. Yeah, his son Jaden Jinx was a good was a good player as well. Mm. Too bad his teams aren't that good. Well, well, yeah, the the, co- the team that the Jinx coaches is not good, but the, the youth team they were actually pretty good. Yeah, they right. ended up uh, winning like I think it was. I think they put up one like. 40-something uh, nothing over Ottawa Glandorf. <laughs> sounds like Mike Jinks, is, that's more of his speed down at that youth peewee level. Well, he he well he wasn't there. His his son was playing for the team. <laughs> Did you get his autograph? Uh, no, I didn't. I just I just said I just uh, I just happened to be I just happened to overhear it from another from one of the officials I was working with, and I went and asked him. I said, "Hey, is your dad football coach at at BGSU?" And he said, uh, "Yeah, he is." Mm. I said, oh, that's nice to know, man. You should have went up to him, him and good. said, is your dad the one whose football no. team gets their ass whooped week in and week out? No. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to do that to him. But oh, okay. That's totally understandable. Even, 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 though, even though they've lost eight straight to Toledo. <laughs> uh, the thing is, I, that speaking of Toledo, they do play Miami, the U. Kind of ironic that you're off this weekend. You're going to be watching a little bit of the U action? Um. Yeah, I might. I may end up uh, catching some of that on TV. Okay. Well, Frank, enjoy your weekend, man. Alrighty, thanks, guys. All right, that was Frank Bashner. Talk a little bit about the Lions coming up next for David. David, you have the topics of your winners and losers. Some football. Got to blow the dust off that theme song. And what else, David? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, what did the rookie NFL coaches do this week? Not yeah. good. Yeah, they all lost. Sorry about the tease, but yeah, they pretty much there was. I think they were zero and eight, I believe. Zero and seven. But we'll, I'll go through and rank which one going worst to first from the rookie de- rookie debuts. Okay, I guess that's in winners and losers from. David the Man of God Harris. Make sure you check us out on 88.3 WCT 11 to 1 here on Saturdays. Sometimes we're live in the studio. Sometimes we get the tape show for you. I do know this week, though, um, we've got uh, Rockets football against Miami at high noon. So you probably only listen a little bit of the AFR Sports Show. But guess what? we got all this, all this stuff on the SoundCloud and on our iTunes pages for our podcast coming up next we got winners and losers for, for football david the man got harris we'll be back after this